lesson for this morning is from the book of Ruth, chapter 1, verses 1 through 22. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem and Judah went to live in the country of Moab, he and his wife and two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Shilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem and Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. They took Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other, Ruth. When they had lived there about ten years, both Malon and Chilion also died, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Then she started to return with her daughters-in-law from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had considered his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she had been living, she and her two daughters-in-law, and they went on their way to go back to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you, as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find security, each of you in the house of your husband. Then she kissed them, and they wept aloud. They said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. Pardon me. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Do I still have sons in my womb that may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. Even if I thought there was hope for me, even if I should have a husband tonight and bear sons, would you then wait until they were grown? Would you then refrain from marrying? No, my daughters. It has been far more bitter for me than for you, because the hand of the Lord has turned against me. Then they wept aloud. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. So she said, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not press me to leave you or to turn back from following you. Where I go, pardon me, where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. There will I be buried. May the Lord do thus and so to me and more as well, if, if even death parts me from you. When Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more to her. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, Is this Naomi? She said to them, Call me no longer Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has dealt harshly with me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? So Naomi returned together with Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, 
who came back with her to the country of Moab, from the country of Moab. They came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. The word of our Lord. Al, you crushed those names today. Way to go. And that is, that's not a short reading. Nice work. Okay, I know there's a little bit of a delay in the live stream, so um, you always have permission now in church to use your phones, but I'm going to ask you to pull them out because I have a question for you. And typically, I would just look out to the pews and you would respond, but um, a little bit different today, so please use your phones when we get to that point. This story is from the book of Ruth. But I'm wondering if it also could be called the book of Naomi. The two women have shifting roles as the main characters over the course of the entire story. And I felt this connection with Naomi because I think it's difficult not to see ourselves in her eyes these days. She has had it with God and with life and does not mince words in speaking this. She's rightfully sulky, honestly lamenting the loss of her family, her husband, and two sons. This family she has known and loved, and now there is no future ahead for her, no story yet to be written. She's forced to find another place to go because of a famine, And as a widow, the odds of her existence are nil in a foreign land. Yet even her homeland feels new and unchartered after being away for so long. She even begs God for a new name. From Naomi, which means sweet, to Mara, which means bitter in Hebrew, because this is how she feels a desire to rename even her identity because of her suffering and despair. Now, interestingly, God does not come to Naomi in a dream with this gentle assurance that she will only be given what she can handle or that all of this is happening for a reason. God is silent in this story. Rather, the voice of unexpected love, presence, and hope comes from one of her daughters-in-law, Ruth, who is a Moabite, who has grown up not knowing God, says to Naomi, you will not go alone to this new place. I will go with you. We will experience this together. Now, the chances of abundant life would have been greater for Ruth if she would have hugged her mother-in-law goodbye and settled back to find a way ahead in her home country. Yet something pulls her to stay, to accompany even when she could not see what the future would hold. Ruth communicates her presence, and she refuses to leave. Now let's imagine for a moment, it's not a journey from Moab to Bethlehem, 
but instead the journey is the situations in our lives where we must leave the place we are and go to a place that is unknown, where life as we know it will be different. So here's where you pull out your phones. Comment right now to what comes to mind when you think about those situations in life where you have to go from a place that you have known now to a place that's different. I'm gonna read what you write as I share a few examples that I thought after talking and being with you over this last summer. Moving a spouse, a parent, or maybe even yourself from independent living now to memory care or assisted living. Starting a new high school without your trusted friends. Lingering between jobs or in a job that does not tap into your gifts. Navigating life now as a widow or a widower. When you realize how restless your heart is and your call to speak into all the inequity that's happening in the world, and then you notice how your beliefs do not match your family and your friends. The day before cancer treatment begins, deciding to become foster parents, trepidation, fearful and alone, going off to college, leaving for the first time, you're telling me, teaching students in a classroom to teaching students online from home, floating, how will we ever know when we've arrived? Did you notice that even in these first verses of this story, the shared weeping, the heaviness of these transitions in life, these are gutsy moves. We leave something behind as we go to the next place. We feel ill-equipped for what is ahead, and God doesn't seem to swoop in with a playbook for how to even take the next step. But it is not God who miraculously appears, but Ruth, someone who entered Naomi's story midlife, someone who is probably more different than the same. She's an outsider with a heart, though, to see beyond expected boundaries or limits. Ruth commits herself to Naomi's care while also trusting in the care she will receive as she accompanies her to this new place. And knowing or not, she trusts that this loving presence that walks alongside is strong enough to rewrite a story with a supposed bitter ending, step by weary step. I'm not sure today if you are Naomi, making your way now into a new place or role, or if you are Ruth, called to accompany someone in where they are going. Throughout the story, both women illuminate how the beautiful dance between giving care and receiving care and how much we need each other along the way. 
Ultimately, as we know now, the book was named after Ruth. She is one of the very few women named in the genealogy of Jesus. As the story progresses, Ruth marries Boaz in Bethlehem and they bear a son named Obed, who will become the grandfather to King David. Ruth, the foreigner, who decided to accompany her mother-in-law to a place in a future to which they could not see the ending by paths as yet untrodden through perils unknown. A woman who did not leave reveals the power of human presence. And this is a part of the story of Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. Joel and I typed an email this last week and we sent it to all of you on Thursday in the e-alert. And we were really honest with you. We cannot make church like we have always known it to be the same this fall. We were all hoping that we could be more in person, that we could open the front doors to worship every week in the sanctuary. But truth be told, and you have told us, you're not ready for it, and we don't have the staff capacity to keep people in person safe and also be able to navigate and lead worship online. All the ways that you have experienced God and you connect with each other have shifted And you are forced, and we are forced to do things in new ways. It's getting really tiring. I'm tired of it. We want the old way back, and our feelings like Naomi are of impatience and bitterness. And there's a tendency to find other ways to fill these empty spaces. But sometimes you don't have the privilege to make a change. Sometimes you have to walk the robe from Moab to Bethlehem, not knowing how it's going to go. But what does it look like to stay and trust and to notice the people around you who are called to stay as well? We started some new prayer opportunities and learning opportunities this week, and more will be getting in the weeks to come. And I noticed as we popped into these Zoom calls, there was some trepidation but also awe to see that another person showed up for this too, that there was other people on the same road together, seeking a place to connect these days seeking to experience God in the midst of it all. It matters that you are here. It matters that we are a church community who commits to creating this belonging church in a time when it's so much harder to do just that. God may feel silent to you these days, Does God care that all is messed up and the angst that we feel traveling this uncertain road? Yet maybe God is already here 
showing up in you or in someone in your life now, or maybe called to meet with you or accompany you to this place that you did not expect to travel to. Maybe you haven't even met them yet. I don't think we can expect for God to show up in the ways that we always hope God will show up. So today, think about this. Who's the Ruth in your life? Thank God for her. Where are you called to let someone know that you are with them? Trust that gut feeling, it's a call. I've come to the point in my life where my kids know more things than I do. And I was talking about emojis with my daughter, Caroline, and she told me that the prayer emoji can also be used as a high five emoji. So that's what we do as an expression of hello, but also that expression of, hey, I'm there for you. We don't go this way on our own. We connect hands in mutual sharing. The divine will be revealed in human hearts, in human hands, and in human bodies. Our presence is with each other, and it's also our ongoing connection and prayer to God. You know what? We're going to need each other as we navigate ahead. So show up as you have been doing and reach out to let someone know that you are with them. And then look around in your life and notice who's with you. Amen.